Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night. Uh, last week, if, you, if you're interested in what we did last week, we had Benjamin Loron. We talked about the hidden secrets of groceries um, and the slave labor that that creates, the American consumer base when it comes to groceries. If you're interested in that type of uh, uh, topic, definitely check out le- last week's podcast. But tonight is going to be a very interesting night. It's something that honestly stepped me on to my journey to where I am here today. I've always been fascinated with what's in outer space. Uh, and what is out there and how to communicate with people like that. And there's no better person to bring on than the author tonight that's going to be joining us. And Rebecca Hardcastle Wright, thank you for joining Talk Junkies. You have a brand new book out. We have it right here, Center Table, Exo Consciousness. How are you doing tonight? And tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm doing well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, um, What part of myself would you like to hear about? (laughs) What kind of led you to your journey where you are right now, I guess, is and what led you to the book that's right here on our table? Oh, okay. Those are kind of two, well, well it's the same story. I'm actually what's uh, referred to as a childhood experiencer. So I've been an experiencer consciously since around three years old. There are many of us who became aware of our contact at, at actually three years old. Now, Um, I'm a therapist slash psychologist, you know, type person professionally. So really three years old is when you're able to um, communicate cognitively in a somewhat of a coherent fashion. So that makes a lot of sense. However, there are people that are what we call crib experiencers, and they, they actually have a, have a conscious memory of being contacted when they were in the crib. So I was, um, I was living, I was actually born and living in a small town in West Virginia called Clarksburg, West Virginia. It's kind of in the heart of the state. And um, I had a lot of anomalous experiences as a child. I, I was aware of being approached by star people when I, you know, I grew up in a time when, in a town also, when you could kind of run out the front door and you were gone all day, maybe came home for lunch, maybe come for dinner. But you were basically just outside playing all day long. So I did that at a very, very young age. And I was aware that of extraterrestrial visitation, multidimensional visitation in my home, as well as, as when I was outside. Um, so I kind of went to um, what I call star school as a child, where I have conscious awareness of being taken on the craft and being taught and being given certain educations and experiences on the craft. But interestingly enough, being from West Virginia, I also had what I would call underground experiences where I literally dimensionally went under the ground as a child. Um, West Virginia is very porous. It's got a lot of underground cavities to it. Lots of, there was a big coal mine in my town Um, And I was very aware that there were interdimensional beings under the ground that I was communicating with and had some interface with. And it's interesting, only as an adult um, did I find out what I was doing. And I'll never forget, I was, I had moved to Phoenix and I was, I was sitting um, as an adult on my, um, on my porch and I live kind of right near the Indian reservation. I, I, I live near an Indian reservation now. That's just kind of always where I've located. I mean, not really purposefully, but it's just happened. And I remember somebody gave me a book about shamanism. And I went, oh, 
that's what I was doing as a child. I was kind of came in as a shaman. I mean, people come in with all kinds of abilities. People have mathematic abilities, communication abilities, like you three obviously have. Um, people come in with music abilities. I just came in with psychic abilities. And so um, I just spent many years being comfortable with that as a child and as an adolescent and kind of as an adolescent being a little bit more uncomfortable with it because I, I wasn't fitting in. I wasn't thinking like everybody else. I wasn't seeing reality like everybody else was. So um, in my early actually mid to late 20s, I got married, started having children, and I always had these abilities in this communication, but as you know, being a parent, that kind of gets a little bit slotted to the side because you have, there's a lot to hold your attention all day long. And then um, I actually moved from when I was in junior high, I moved to Dayton, Ohio. So there I was smack dab at like Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Project Paperclip, all of this kind of military uh, environment. A Manhattan Project was up this was was up one of the labs was up the street from my house. There was I was just kind of moved from being this kind of West Virginia girl into this totally different atmosphere. Um, I don't know if I was around Project Paperclip people, but interestingly enough, my father was a um, United Methodist minister and he be part of a, um, a German speaking church in Dayton, Ohio. So that was, you know, after the paper, the paperclip German science, you know, I'm sure you know about Paperclip. So that was yep. after the paperclip scientists to come to Dayton and um, and White Sands and a couple other places around America. So there were a lot of engineers and scientists in my church. So I would not have been surprised that I was around them. And only later in adulthood did I kind of start to fit the pieces together. Um, the next um, the, the next kind of um, I guess autobiographical piece was moved to um, to Phoenix, I, I was living in North Scottsdale and I didn't really fit in there. So I moved to this little town called Fountain Hills and just so happened once again, I'd get dropped and I meet this uh, woman that was running the longest running extraterrestrial experiencer group in the nation in that little town. <laughs> So for the first time in my life, I was able to speak about my experiences with other adults that had also had those experiences. And she was working at that time with John Mack and, and um, John Mack's peer group, um, paranormal research group out of Harvard. And I just did a deep dive into everything about UFOs, because when you're an experiencer, you want to know, is this a real experience or was I being mind controlled? Like I was in, was I in some kind of like uh, Senator Bird mind control program in West Virginia? <laughs> you know, those kind of things cross your mind because you want to know what of this is real and what if this is, if this is just all a mind control program. And so, you know, I just, I went really deep into mind control. As a matter of fact, very interested in mind control, which some of it is covered in, in my book. And so um, 
around that time I lived in Fountain Hills in the early 2000s, I was in, uh, I was a single mom. I had three kids at, at the time at home and um, I was getting ready to go to work one day and my alarm went off. Remember those old um, radio alarm clocks and you'd hit the snooze button and you'd like, oh, I fall back on the pillow. Give me five minutes before I have to get up, get these kids to school and I have to go to work. I fell back against the pillow and literally this word exoconsciousness came into my, it didn't come into my mind. It came into my body, my entire body, kind of that. Um, I don't know if you've read the Bible, sort of like it became my flesh. The word, that word became my flesh. And I knew at that point that I was to focus exclusively on consciousness because I, I, I at the time I was teaching a class at Scottsdale College called um, Extraterrestrial Reality, which only lasted a semester, but at least we got in a semester before it was shut down. But I knew that I wasn't supposed to be a craft researcher. I was supposed to be a consciousness researcher. So um, I wrote my, my first book, Exoconsciousness, Your 21st Century Mind. And shortly after I wrote that book, then um, Dr. Edgar Mitchell came and asked me to work for him in his Zero Point Energy Quantrack program. And as a result of that, I moved to Washington, D.C. and became his representative for, um, for that in D.C., kind of like I got into WikiLeaks and all of that. We can talk about that later. But um, and then um, and then he passed away when I was in when I was still living in DC. And I just knew I needed to go back into my business work. And about that time, I started coming across a lot of information about transhumanism, a lot of information about. Um, different types of high-tech mind control. And I, as I want to do, I went down the rabbit hole of research <laughs> and I just, I just submerged myself in this knowledge, but um, it was so harrowing to me. I just, everything I read, I'd read it. I mean, I'm a mom, I'm just kind of like normal person. And I'm like, oh my golly, this can't be true. Oh my golly, this can't be true. And it, just took me a long time to sort of get out of that sort of fear-based trauma response about the information. And we left, um, we left DC and moved back to Phoenix. And I was able to kind of settle down with the information. And what I've done with the book is I've juxtaposed um, exoconscious humans. So humans with cosmic consciousness, I've juxtaposed natural carbon-based humans with cosmic consciousness with synthetic biology, synthetic biological humans or transhumans. And what I do in the book is I step down through that comparison. And then in most of the chapters, I find some kind of common ground that could be both of us. But as I was writing the book, um, it, it was interesting. The timing of it was just beyond because um, I get I get a publisher. Um, we start moving it through the publication process, and boom, COVID hits, and everything that I had been writing about, especially in the synthetic biology chapters, become a reality. 
everything about the possibilities of the mind control pieces becomes a reality. Um, and furthermore, then, you know, this past Sunday and weeks before that, UFO disclosure just becomes a major public issue. So um, all of that was kind of startling, <laughs> I guess, in terms of a, in terms of a context. But um, what I also did before I left DC, I was, I was, I was writing the book, but I was also, um, I was also, um, I founded an institute called the Institute for Exoconsciousness, IXO. So we're an international group of experiencers who support people who are bringing um, ET multidimensional co-creations into the world at this time. So that's something I do. And then I also practice as a therapist with, with, um, with a physician here in Scottsdale. Very nice. Can, so can I ask you a fun. question about just that last one? You say... Uh, ET, uh, man, I'm, I'm already messing it up. The, the very last thing you said, the ET communication basically with people and then like creation. So, right. so it's like, it's like people receiving information, uh, <laughs> from extraterrestrials and then they're helping further things. Precisely. The, so the, our definition of exoconsciousness is the innate. So we believe that every human has the innate ability to to contact, communicate, and co-create extraterrestrials and multidimensionals. One, and that humans have been doing this for a long time. No, I was, I was about to say, like, the Mozart thing uh, yeah. becomes most prevalent in my mind right now because whenever you hear people, or, like, the records of Mozart, was he never made any changes to any of his music. And he even talked about, like, it was coming from someplace else. That he almost, he just had to tap into it and then the music just just came to him, and he's the greatest composer of all time, unless you like Bach like me, which I I do like <laughs> like Bach a little cool. bit more. But like no, there's just there's incidences of this like like throughout history, and are they just savants or are they really tapping into something else? And I'm gonna say either or, but I mean one side of it's obviously more interesting to talk about than you know just being a savant. But no, the Mozart thing comes to comes to mind right when you said that last thing. So I, I guess like for, I like what I like to do is bring it back to as far back as that that we physically can. And within your research, you said that this has been happening for a long time. It's it's been a part of us as human beings. And and with what mainstream would have you believe, we've been here for what ten, twelve thousand years. On in your research and in the rabbit hole that you went down, what were you able to find? And is it similar to what Jesse's kind of talking about? What were you were you able to find people that were tapping into this? And what kind of uh, examples would you have for that? I think I think it's in that. The, what we're talking about here are different definitions of consciousness, and it's something that I go into the book. So, if you have a transhuman definition of consciousness, you're pretty much brain centric. So you're um, you're trying to discover the neuron, the 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 neural connection and transhumanism is really a closed loop. So it's like kind of brain to computer interface, okay? Natural biological carbon-based human consciousness would be encompassing not only our brain, but also our entire nervous system. It would encompass the uh, chakras in our body. It would encompass the meridians, someone that does acupuncture, but it would also encompass our astral body, our emotional body, our mental bodies, all these subtle bodies that surround us 
that make it possible for us to move out into um, the field of consciousness, or as um, Rupert Sheldrake calls it, the morphogenic field, that, um, that humans access information there unconsciously all the time, but we can also consciously go out and do that when we choose to. And really the, the whole issue be, for me, the whole passion for me behind even writing this book was because I felt like we're, I, I wanted to ask the question, were we going to lose this ability to move out into the field of consciousness and access it consciously and work with it consciously? Some people call it down. I'm sure you've heard of that. Um, because I began to see on the horizon this, this encroaching synthetic biology that was just jaw-dropping, quite frankly, jaw-dropping. And I thought, oh, you know, what's going to happen to people like me? You know, are my children and grandchildren, are, are they not going to be able to access their psychic intelligence because they're going to be synthetic kind of bionic people does there have to be i guess what i'm saying is how are those linked to the point to where is is it not possible to have that transhumanism side of things and this like synthetic side of things Do, like can you have that can you have both basically can you have your cake and eat it too can you have oh, that yeah. and still have these other um you know biological consciousness or if you go down the transhuman route and we do become more synthetic and everything like that. Do you lose that, you know, the chakras and your connection to everything? It depends on the CRISPR technology. It depends on how your DNA is affected. Um, it depends on how your epigenetics is affected. Now, could I have um, a bionic eye because I was blind? Or um, could I have... Um, you know, a bionic arm or maybe a pump of some kind of medication. Sure, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But when you start, you, when you start editing the genome in, in people, that's a whole different ballgame because then that affects your whole neural capacity. And what's the end game of that? And it was funny when I lived in DC, I'm sure you've heard of the genome project. So at one point I moved to this, we moved to this apartment complex called Avalon, of course. <laughs> and I looked across the street and there's this big, huge kind of serpentine, of course, a building waving across the road from me. And I'm like, what's that? So I go, you know, of course, got to go dig around and find out because it doesn't have a sign on it. And it's, it's, it's Craig Vittner's genome project. And I was living across the street from it. So, and I was hearing all of this, this information and I'll just, I'll just give you an example, Johnny. So this is kind of a cute story. So I, I used to go, I lived on the outer belt of DC. So I used to go to yoga all the time. And so I would go to yoga at noon and it's like $12 to go to yoga at noon. So I'd, I'd go to yoga then and this guy was next to me one day and we were putting our mats away. And I said, oh, you know, nice to meet you. Did you come here at your lunch hour? Yeah, where do you work? Blah, blah, blah. And it turned out he worked at the, um, the um, I forget the, 
official name of it, but it's the Bureau of Science and Technology. It used to be weights and measures and metrics, but now it's science and technology. They did the whole Warren Commission. They did the 9-11 the, the report, but they also had a sector that was polymers. So they kind of oversaw international trade. And so I said to this guy, among many other things, I said to this guy, I said, where do you work? And he said, oh, I work in polymers. And I went, oh, I am so interested in that. I just, I've just been reading all about polymers. And this was probably by 2013, maybe, probably 2013, 2014. I said, I'm so interested in it because it made so much sense because I understand now that you can put nanotechnology in our clothing and that nanotechnology then goes into our skin and it goes into our bloodstream and it can break the blood brain barrier. And I said, now I see why we've offshored all the clothing manufacturer because a lot of this is kind of experimented with the nanotechnology. And he looked at me and said, lady, I don't know who you are, but don't you ever talk to me again and ran down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> you got too oh, close. Great. You can't too, get too close to the sun. Yeah, so Johnny, like to answer your question, sure, that's fine. But I don't know, being in the field of, of exopolitics and ufology and, you know, what we call exoconsciousness, you know, you, you just spend a lot of years going into secret space programs. I don't know if you know Paul McCandless, she's just one of the really great... Um, UFO extraterrestrial vehicle um, uh, researchers was supposed to testify at the at at, at, um, at Ruben, um, Rubio's commission for the Senate, and he was just found dead. So I mean, you just kind of start creeping around in these fields, and you see all of this this amazing technology that's so far beyond what any of us ever considered. So for me, Johnny, to say it's not going to do any harm. I just don't know that. I, I, I don't know because when you go into the world of nanoparticles and, and, and quantum, quantum science that synthetic biology is involved in, so, it's pretty easy. Sorry, Jesse, I know you, you got something to say, yeah. but I just want, I want to break, I just want to, so it, let's think about it like this. Can you, I know you said you kind of understood what it was when you were a little bit older. Um, you know, in your twenties or thirties, but like for people who are out there and then maybe they are experiencing this type of experience that you're describing, what, what would be their first initial like reaction and what should they do? Because honestly, Rebecca, I like, I've always like dreamed of doing that. When I first got into aliens, I'm like, man, I would really like to tap into that. I'd like to find out how to communicate with them. I've tried, I've tried like meditation. I've had some pretty hardcore experiences meditation wise, but I've never been able to like tap into to what you're describing. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, if people start experiencing something like that you did, what should they do? What should be their recourse? Who should they re reach out to? And are there a lot of people out there that are experiencing what you're experiencing? Oh, I think definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think as a therapist, I would say the first thing you do, because there's so much in this field that takes you out of your body and being out of your body's fine. You know, that's, that's a human thing that we humans do, but 
But the real power of any kind of extraterrestrial experience or multidimensional experience is when you integrate it into your body. And by integrating it, then you kind of calm down your nervous system and you're like, okay, this is part of me. I'm, I'm communicating with something. It's not going to hurt me. It may even help me. And it's okay. I'm safe. And, I'm into, and, I, and, and you become integrated with it. And I would also say any kind of creative work that you do, like Jesse mentioned, like, you know, music or, or art or writing or speaking or meditating that takes you into that and out into that field of consciousness where that's a field that that's a field that you're safe in. That's a field that is a home that actually belongs to humans. That, that belongs to us to go in and access. And any, any prohibition against doing that in a natural way should not be allowed. Guys, there's not going to be any creativity or intellect in the world, or much less art. So you're almost saying that the prohibition against that is technology is not allowing us to use the natural scape of of what we have to access these things like technology is limiting that is that kind of what you're what you're getting at well i'm sorry maybe maybe i, may be, I, I misheard the that. book is um is i go into the book a lot about cybernetics cybernetics came out about around the 1950s and what it what it was was cybernetics means to steer so they were coming up with all these kind of it really started in world war one with um shell shock victims, shell shock victims in World War One, And you've heard of Tavistock, the Tavistock Institute? No, yeah, uh, no. no, I haven't heard of that. Vaguely heard about okay. it, yes. Yeah. So Tavistock Institute was what really kind of set off the whole research. So these vets were coming back from World War One with all of this horrible trauma of shell shock. And we've all seen the movies and read the books. And what the Tavistock Institute did was it got a hold of this and said, how can we literally take these behaviors that these people are exhibiting and learn how to steer cybernetics, cybernetically steer the behavior of the human race? And they, they move that knowledge then, you know, into universities. And then a part of that also became what's called the basic conferences here in the United States, you know, very, very famous cybernetic conferences. And they, those conferences weren't really about understanding who humans were in sort of a benevolent, caring way. Those conferences were really about steering human conscious and steering human behavior. So you have that piece coming in. And at the same time, you have this piece coming in about this at that same time called technocracy. And technocracy started really in the 1880s, late 1800s, but it, it, it exploded in the, the 1930s in Columbia University, where the engineers and scientists began to say, we have like really messed up. First World War was a total screw up. Too many people died. We have to change this. And the engineers and the scientists are going to change it. And so they literally developed this technocracy that we see today. So 
really, we live in a technocratic transhuman culture where, as you can tell, politics, politicians don't really matter anymore. I mean, they're kind of a joke, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We talk so, about that a lot in the podcast. Religion doesn't matter. All the churches have been closed down, right? I so mean, for a different reason, for a different reason, but yes, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll agree with you. Yeah. So all that really matters now is um, technocracy. And so then you have the entertainment industry and you have, you have Silicon Valley. But so, so is the evil actually coming or the not, I don't want to use that word. So the negative from this isn't coming from technology itself. It's human beings using the technology. Absolutely. So, so still the bigger issue is more government founded things because I, I think it's inevitable. I think technology uh, overall and us, like I'm already an Android because I, I carry around this phone everywhere I go. I love the Elon Musk, Joe Rogan podcast where Elon Musk talks about we're already there. Like, do you not have access to Internet and you can't even really think for yourself? Everything's off my phone. If I don't know, well, just give me two seconds and I'll pull it up on Google. Uh, but so I, I still think the bigger issue is what's or what's scary is this advancement in technology that's unregulated and then the government of who's out for themselves and not for the general good then gets a hold of this power and then they can, man, run amok with it, which I think well, is horribly frightening. Run with it. I, I think I it's, mean, I think that's horribly frightening. Yeah. Well, but, there's a whole section in my book at the, at, um, toward the end, um, after I go into the whole synthetic biology, there's a section of my book at the end where I go into um, the space fence. Are you familiar with the space fence, the Lockheed Martin space fence? No, no idea. Okay. So, um, the Lockheed Martin space fence is part of a space to earth infrastructure. Okay. So I know a lot of us feel like, oh, you know, we can do blockchain and, you know, we could do our cryptocurrency and, and we can, we, we can set up all these things. And we're going to be like under the radar because we're going to separate it out into all these all these computers and, you know, we're going to be able to do these amazing things when the truth of the matter is everything is absolutely controlled by the cloud. Absolutely. Everything is controlled by the cloud monitored, um, surveilled and, um, much of it censored by the cloud. And one of the things we're working on a big thing we're, talking about or visioning with the Institute for Exoconsciousness is if we move so forward into synthetic biology, into synthetic biological beings or transhuman beings, are we even going to have a way to communicate? Because that, that whole array of satellites that gets bigger every day, quite frankly, is really what's in control of all the communications on the face of the earth. Absolutely. So I'll just give you an example. So, um, so Trump got kicked off Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Trump gets kicked off Twitter and Twitter's on the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what do you mean by the, by the cloud? I just think like the, uh, the Apple, like the Apple cloud, you're talking talking about something even Amazon, Amazon runs the cloud. cloud, Amazon has the intelligence cloud contract. Gates has the Pentagon contract. Apple's got Apple's just a player. 
they're not the player. They're not even close to the player. I mean, I always called Google the gatekeeper. Like they're they're the gatekeeper. No, I, I, Amazon's the gatekeeper. Okay, so Amazon's it's not even not Google really anymore. The gatekeeper. So, so I'll take it further. So Trump gets kicked off, gets kicked off Twitter, right? Twitter lives up in the cloud, right? The mm -hmm. Amazon cloud, intelligence cloud, all of the all of the cyber information that's in that in that cloud. Trump is the president of the United States and in the military also run. So it's Amazon intelligence military run the cloud, okay? But Trump is the commander in chief, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. So who's running the military? Who's running Amazon? It's not Trump. Nope. It wasn't the president. Who was running it? Private corporations, Jeff Bezos. So we're told to believe. They're, 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 it's, they're, this is really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. I have not thought about that like I, that. I thought about it whenever they shut It doesn't surprise me one bit. I'm completely on board with it. It doesn't when, surprise me one when bit. When they shut him down, it wasn't even just Twitter. It was Facebook and every basically every Everything. every social media aspect. Our, our president, the, short of and, having a, an emergency broadcast, that was the only way he was going to reach himself out. And now they're trying to convince... And it's not, and, and, you know, it's not Bezos. It's not Musk. It's a lot bigger than Bezos and Musk. Let's well, just put it so like that. It, I don't know who it is, but all, it's a lot bigger. In all fairness, we've we've had David Icon and we've David Icon and we've talked about the web that he talks about, those mm -hmm. overarching controllers and they're not even entities. So I was gonna say I hate using the word because when people hear the word, they think something different. But I'm gonna say Illuminati, even though people think something different when they hear Illuminati, but I just mean the greater they. The the invisibles. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. The ones that we you can't point a finger, you can't pick a name or whatever, but we've all talked about it. And I feel like every person, even people who aren't into conspiracy theories or aren't into government corruption or any of this, everybody kind of knows that deep inside. Like they've got this feeling of ever since they went out and watched the movie Snowden, you know what I mean? Like they know that Great something's Great that something is that politicians don't control stuff that you've got corporations that do control stuff, but then even above the corporations, you have this higher percentage of people that so the way, are doing The best stuff. way to put it is a corporate oligarchy, that we live yeah, in a corporate but oligarchy. Even the, cor even the corporations, though, have that higher tier above them that we don't see. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. So we can, we sure. can talk about this. I mean, all, but then that... We can yeah, talk about we, this. We've all, talked, we've talked yeah, about we, this. Yeah, we went into plenty, detail plenty. with this before. And we can talk about this all day long, but like within your research throughout human history, has there ever been a point in time where this wasn't really the case in, in a lot of majority of the population here on earth had access to this exoconsciousness within your research. Have you seen anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it happened in, um, in indigenous cultures. Certainly every indigenous culture had, um, not only had access, but also made it part of their lineage that they passed on to their children. Um, I think that, um, Jacques Vallée's book, Passport to Manjonia talked a lot about the, um, the whole consciousness within, you know, the British Isles of um, a psychic phenomenon. I mean, let's face it, came from West Virginia. West Virginia is founded by Scotch-Irish people. Chances are, I, my lineage comes out of that. I, I don't know. So yeah, it's all over the world. I mean, but then you go back into Sitchin's work or you go even beyond Sitchin's work into um, the Hindu writings and, um, and the ships that came in. I mean, that was way before, you know, Sitchin and Sumeria. 
So yeah, this has always been operative on planet Earth. So the question, so I would say that we are kind of, we're at a situation today that um, we can either claim, I would say claim our exoconsciousness and claim the fact that these, these beings and this, this, this field of consciousness, I'd make it even bigger than beings, I'd make it a field of consciousness that we, we can participate in it. And to me, if, if you ever want to learn about something, sure, you can sit on the internet and, you know, you know, read a million articles or whatever. But if you really want to learn about something, you do it. Whether it's art or raising children or um, making an invention. So if you want to know about the extraterrestrial presence, then do something with it co-create with it. That's the, about the only way reasonably I can say that we're really going to find our way through this because we're going to have to navigate through it. Just like, just like Johnny said, transhumanism is not going to go away. We're going to have to navigate through it. This is, this is something that's real. It's going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, it's going to have some hiccups, of course. It's going to have some hacking, of course. And that's the other thing that I really, I really found out in my research was that, I'll just tell you another story. So um, I was at yoga again, and um, I was standing in the parking lot talking to a woman. She looked to be about my age, and uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't actually know how old she was, but she, I said to her, I asked her where she worked, because everybody in DC asked her wherever you work. And she goes, oh, I work at DARPA. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool, DARPA. Yeah, I've been reading about DARPA because I've been reading um, uh, Annie Jacobson's book. Um, what's it called? Um, the Invisible, The Pentagon's Brain. And um, I said, oh, I've been reading Pentagon's Brain. I'm really interested in it. And I said, well, what part of DARPA are you working for? And she said, oh, I work with artificial intelligence. And I said, oh, that's cool. And how's it going? That's like the coolest, by the way. Like, like that's that's the coolest. That's the most on edge thing is is AI. Nothing. nothing yeah. And so I said to her, I said, "How's it going?" That. And she goes, "Not well." And I said, "You're kidding." I said, "What's going on?" And she goes, "I've been working in this for thirty years." And she goes, "We are really just stuck." She goes, "We're up against a wall. We're stuck. We can't move any further." And I just kind of nicely looked at her and smiled, and I just said are you stuck because you don't know what consciousness is? And she went, oh yeah, that's the problem. I mean, that's, that's the big one though. That's the, that's the big one. That's the Aristotle, you know, the Plato, like, you know. I mean, that's the, really the only reason we don't have true AI yet and why people every, man, I brought this up a long time ago, the difference between virtual intelligence and artificial intelligence. Like we talk about how AI, but everything we actually have right now is VI. It's virtual intelligence, mm -hmm. pretended intelligence, like mm -hmm. take it all the way back to the 80s or maybe it was before the 80s with, uh, I think it was the 80s, with Deep Blue, the, the chess playing mm -hmm. computer or whatever. That's all virtual intelligence that has been taught to interpret a whole bunch of data and then know what to do with that data. And it's the same for Google. When you Google something and it's, you know, it knows your, it's got the algorithm. It knows what you enjoy based on virtual intelligence and data and stuff, but it doesn't have consciousness, which is why we don't have actual AI yet. But, Johnny, if you're developing AI in a closed system, in a closed brain-centric system, 
without the availability to move out into the field of consciousness, you're not going to have conscious AI. Oh, wow. No, I agree. So you're saying in order for it to even work, you'd have to like morally be okay. We're going to let this thing just go free. And no, then, no, it can't go free because it's, oh. that's not the system that it's built on. It's built on a closed system. Just saying okay, you, you but, need to integrate like the exo consciousness and you, you almost have to take the information you're getting from exo consciousness and all of this to help develop actual AI. This is why you're on the podcast because this is above, <laughs> but, I guarantee you, me and Paul said, this is why we to, have but, Johnny on. You but, too can but you would talking. still be, you know, your back would still be up against the fact that the ability, the human ability to move out into the field of consciousness is such, it's such a magnificently complex part of humans. And it's connected to us in nature and it's connected to our carbon-based being the fact that we're bigger than a carbon-based being, we're cosmic. No, ab- so you would have to build a whole different platform. So my, I wrote this little book called Exoconscious Humans Guiding Our Space, Fear, and Future because I really believe that as nice as Elon Musk is, you're not going to get to, you're not going to become a space-faring race with his, with his rockets. I mean, you can get there and colonize it, but what does that actually achieve? Well, you're not even going to get there. I mean, you have to have, when I worked with Dr. Mitchell, we worked with the Trinity. So we worked with zero point energy, so, or anti-gravitics or fusion-based. Sorry, before you, who is Dr. Edgar Mitchell? Sorry, before you go in. He's Apollo 14 astronaut. Boom, right there. Okay. Um, So we worked with, um, zero point or alternative energies, antigravitics, consciousness, and the extraterrestrial presence. So I would maintain that these, the way we're going about it, I, I don't think it's going to work. I think we're gonna get nice flights to maybe the moon or, you know, lower earth orbit or whatever you have um but even if we if we did that you've got to have that consciousness piece there because it's just my experience as a child was that the craft were conscious the craft were conscious the craft and and I were conscious together. And and do you think that that is like something like symbiotic between biology and technology that was happening within the ship, or just strictly technology, or just strictly? I mean, it would have to be. It was a different just... kind of technology. We just we're just not there yet. And if you look from 1920 to 1970, all the inventions. The human race was moving ahead. If you take about a part like human capital or education, null systems or whatever, we were moving ahead literally two percentage points a year. Today, from 1950 on, we're only moving ahead 
0.02%. A lot of what we're reading is propaganda. So it's not this, it's not this force coupled thing, not this force coupled thing to where you have these like five branches of technology that's literally boosting one. Like if you can figure out AI, well then AI will boost uh, biological, you know, But I think they're stuck. I think they're stuck because they don't understand consciousness. So are these, well, I hope we're stuck. We I honestly hope it. we're stuck yeah. because morally, morally as a world, we need to get a bunch of other shit figured out yeah. before we gain that kind of power. So I think that that's, that's honestly a good so, thing so in I, my opinion, but that's a question that I have is, and we kind of talked about it earlier was they are the spider web that David Icke talks about are these entities that are ruling this, this realm. Um, are they exo-consciousness or are they, or is that why they're, they're stuck? Exo-consciousness. So what I'm saying is these people who rule the world, do they have access to what maybe that you had access to? I think anytime that you're, see, I, I've read a lot of David Icke. I don't know David Icke, but I've read, I read a lot of his books. When you, when you agree to step into exo-consciousness, as I would add, Jesse said, I, as like one of my chapters is, is a, a chapter on ethics. When you agree to step into that, you're going to see a lot of things you don't want to see. You want to, it's kind of like, you want to ask the question, but you don't really want to hear the answer. And trying to blame this spider web or the reptilians or whatever on everything that's wrong That becomes not an issue when you're willing to look at things that you're not afraid to look at anymore. I I, I love what you said so much because whenever you start bringing in reptilians and things you can't control just means, oh, well, I can't even control this, the space that I live in because it's so far away from me. You don't need I don't to like control that reptilians. You just have to tell them. I mean, when I was a child, I interfaced with reptilians all the time. They didn't eat me. They just didn't eat me. But what I'm like, what, what I, I, I'm not really even trying to bring him into the equation. What I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, if they're able to tap into exoconsciousness, then why wouldn't they? Why would they be stuck at that point where they're stuck right now and they can't move forward? Kind of thing. Who's who's they? Or whoever, like you know, people who are trying to do space travel and people who are trying to advance AI and artificial intelligence. If they're I stuck, their, yeah, I think it comes out of their system. They live in a technocratic, and that's what my book's about. They live in a technocratic, scientific, engineering reality. So they're not even really fancying, fancying the idea of exoconsciousness. They're afraid of it. They'll lose their jobs. Fair enough. I think there are people in that arena that, are, that have secret knowledge about different types of um, advanced technologies. Absolutely. Okay, so let, let's just. But move I it. think they're more or less an iteration of what we already have. For sure. So let's move it a little bit forward. Within one of the the stimulus packages of the coronavirus, you have the disclosure of um, technology or alien videos, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's being propagandized right now to mass public. And if they they truly are brainwashing us, and there's a lot of propaganda going on, so why are they pushing aliens so so much right now? Why are we seeing all these uh, videos that haven't really surfaced before and now you see it on CNN and Fox and MSNBC? Why are those types of things happening? What do you guys think? 
I mean, I know Johnny and Jesse don't really watch a lot of TV. I just I'm on, I, I watch, don't. I, I watch, don't. I, I stay away from it. There's Sim- a, simply for that whole fact that that I'm just being told something that's to to their benefit. Like they're selling me something, and I hate my dad was a my dad is a salesman still to this day. I I love my dad, but I don't like salesmen. Like you're selling me something <laughs> that I just. I, I know it's I know it's to your own to your own benefit. So I I stay away from that, which uh, makes it really difficult now to even find any kind of truth anywhere in the world. After and it was probably this like even pre-COVID, but even after COVID, you're like, man, stuff is just so mixed up. Like, where is fact at? Where's the fiction at? Where is all this? At some point I'm just like, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know, be me and put my shopping cart back and hold doors open for people and try to, you know, be the best version of myself that I can be because that's something I can personally control and and not worry about a bunch of other stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so that's... I think that's pretty much the best way to look at life, honestly. But to answer... Sorry, my bad. Were you... I, I did have another I did have another question, but, man, that's going to that's gonna um, go on a weird thing. To answer your thing about why I, why I personally think they're doing that right now, and I could be 100% wrong just in my own thoughts, I think that... Like I mentioned way earlier about everybody kind of already knows. Like after watching the movie and Snowden and stuff, everybody kind of already knows what's going on. So everybody, I feel like I hate using the word woke or awakening, even though we talk about that a lot here, this awakening of the human mind. I feel like people are doing that. And then by them coming out and saying, hey, we're going to give you exactly what you want. We're going to give you the aliens. We're going to give you the craft. We're going to do all this stuff. People let that go and don't realize, hey, this is still brainwashing. Like, this is all fake information. This isn't real. We're just giving you stuff to where you can think that we're the good guys again. You know what I mean? We're on your team. That's how I see it. And I could be 100% wrong, but that's I mean, how I see it. We're really just talking about government corruption right now. <laughs> but, I, but she asked about the, like, yeah, why, she, the, you know, why, the, why the alien... Yeah. No, that's yeah, literally yeah, with the COVID no. stimulus thing that was signed was the whole disclosure of what we know about extraterrestrials. But what do you think they're really going to tell us what they actually know? Or do you think they're just going to tell us stuff to be, I mean, it's just more, for lack of a better term, brainwashing. It's more propaganda. But it's cleverly disguised propaganda. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the propaganda 100%. that people want. Everyone's talking about it. It is presented to you by the CIA. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's Not my, surprising. I think that that's the reason that that's all happening, though. Because it's how can we spoon feed people the info we want them to do, but them not realize it, which they've been doing for years. And this is just the next version of that. Yeah. This is the hotness right now. I also think, and I talk a little bit about this in my book. Um, I, I think it kind of goes in two directions. I, there's, you know, we can't really go into this on, on the show. I guess we've been already going for an hour or so, but um they're, they're, they're figures within UFO disclosure, within the history of UFO disclosure that are also heavily, heavily involved in transhumanism and mind control research and, and the whole COVID situation, okay? So they're kind of, they're playing in all of these camps, okay? So they have a broad reach in all of these camps. That's number one. So that when they bring to fruition the vision that they have, the transhuman vision that they have, then this will just be a piece that adds to it for them, that they've been involved in all along. Okay. But the other thing is, I don't know, because the military 
the military has oversight over the satellite, over, over satellite control. So Amazon runs, runs the intelligence cloud, but the military has oversight over the gates portion of the cloud. And I don't know if what we're seeing is possibly, and I, I do discuss this in the book, we may be looking at a situation where we have a space program that's either not as good as we think it is or far better than we think it is. But I think there are planet, planetary actors at this point who see the benefit of sort of locking down nature, locking down humans so that if we control sort of all the ants on the ground, then we can funnel all the money into space and become these space ventures. And I think there are probably people in the military that feel like um, we have to accomplish that. And certainly COVID and synthetic biology and mind control systems. I mean, I've just been reading about a new thing called magnogenetics. Mm, I haven't heard of that. Which is, yeah, which is another kind of a mind control synthetic biology that goes into our body through a protein. So maybe we're looking at that kind of scenario. I don't know. All I know is that if you're, if you're a planetary state actor and you think that locking down humans and then, so the subtitle is my, of my book is Will free will survive in an increasingly non-human world? If you if you deprive humans of the ability to go out into the field of consciousness and function the way we are meant to function, then you put yourself in the biggest cul-de-sac you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, that's my that's my forehead. Honestly, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm bald. I'm really bald. Sorry, I had to do it. Go ahead, Jesse. No, that, that's extremely interesting. I'm just trying to wrap my head around so many so many things that, that have been said tonight. I know, man. Oh, it's right about there it you. talks about taking away free man, will. It talks I, about liber- or man, the absence of libertarianism. This question is going to sound very lackluster now <laughs> after all that. And not even because we should stay on that. But once again, my mind's so, so many things have been said. This podcast has been amazing, by the way. Um, now, do you ever consider anything as far as your experiences go, as far as like a spirituality? I don't even want to use the sense of religion. Um, because I'm not a religious person by, by any means, but I do consider myself spiritual, which I know is weird. Do you think anything like is, is there, is there some sense of spirituality or is it just a lack of knowing kind of thing? Man, I I had, I had the question better about like fucking 15 minutes ago, but if you could just get the, the gist of that as far as, um, is it still, like something spiritual that's happening, something because okay, just an and another question I wanted to bring up to you, which I like to bring up people. And this is not even a two part question. I'm just doing a horrible job at, at my job right now. Oh, I uh, liked your first question. Yeah, no. So my my big sense of spirituality came whenever um, I was doing psychedelics, and mm-hmm. I felt this really intense sense that we are all interconnected, and it's really and that's a really important thing to hold on to. I remember it was. It was mushrooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was very much, and I've I've done plenty of them throughout uh, my life, 
and I will continue to do them, by the way. But um, I always love this sense of, oh, man, we really are all in this together kind of thing. And it's not even here on here on the planet, but it's 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 the whole thing. And it's very it's very frightening and peaceful at the same time. And it can be frightening. And that's kind of where I get my sense of spirituality from is what I like to call uh, where I like to call it. Or do you think that this idea of so I've moved from the word religious to spiritual and then eventually that word will diminish and then it's just something else to where we just have this greater understanding of the whole thing. Man, I did a horrible job of asking you a question. My apologies. Well, it's kind of like being at peace, being out in the field. You're in, in peace being in the field of consciousness. It's what you're kind of talking about, I guess. It's I don't know. I did a horrible job. I had a better one. Like I said, like 15 minutes ago, I was like, oh, man, I got a really good question. It's funny that you bring that up because, no, it is. <laughs> it came out because so earlier when so we were talking poorly. about the AI thing and oh, can you give an AI consciousness or whatever? I was thinking to myself, literally, like, while we were having that conversation, I was thinking to myself, you know what? You know why an AI could never have consciousness? Because you can never give an AI mushrooms, psychedelics, psilocybin, THC, whatever. You can't, what do you, mm -hmm. you take a computer and give it some kind of consciousness, how do you get it out of that consciousness to see something bigger? There's nothing you can give that computer well, to Well, you could replicate, you, you could write a program that could replicate the experience of being with mushrooms, but the replication would not ever be the same thing. So that's, that's the big problem in, in AI is the whole replication. It, 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 it kind of, it sort of falls apart. Mm -hmm. There's many problems in AI, but the replication problem is one of the greatest problems. But I want to go back to um, Jesse's question about, about the soul. So, during during the Middle East War, so we were fighting religious terrorists, right? That was the yeah. kind yeah. of the 9-11, you know, we have these religious extremists, religious terrorists. And we were experimenting on that at that time, you know, years ago, with how we can genetically switch off the passionate religious part of the brain. Mushrooms does that. <laughs> Sorry. So Sorry. So the government and the military have been working on this for a long time. And we would be naive if we didn't think that part of transhumanism, if 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 your if your system, if your transhuman system is to be all encompassing, I mean like World Economic Forum, all encompassing, right? Mm-hmm then you don't have any room for God. You don't have any room for field of consciousness because you are the creator. You are the God. So part of this is how do you wipe out the soul? How do you wipe out the spirit? And that's, that's another reason I wrote the book. It's like, I don't want to lose my spirit and I for sure don't want to lose my soul because I have a feeling I've been working on it for a long time and I don't want to dead end it, quite frankly. Are you guys familiar with um, Steiner, Rudolf Steiner? No. no. I can't Armand? Uh-uh. Well, he, came, he took over the mystery schools after Blavatsky and Annie Besant. And he wrote a lot about, actually, in the, in the late 1800s and the early um, 1920s, 
about this harmonic force that was part of part of the planet, part of part of part of our world. So, so you kind of had this harmonic force on one end and Luciferian force on the other. And we all see a lot of Luciferian stuff out of Hollywood. But then in the middle, there's this spiritual force that mediates it all the time. And and Steiner, I think back in the early 20s, said, in a hundred years, we're gonna face Armand. And part of the way that Armand works is it's called the eighth sphere. And what, what this eighth sphere does is it, it captures our soul and it, we reincarnate back again and again and again in this harmonic cycle that we can't break out of. And so I had to look at the possibility that was I looking at the possibility of transhumans who have been genetically modified Whose, whose, whose access to the field of consciousness has been ended, are they gonna be caught in this harmonic circle of reincarnation where they just never get out of this? That sounds terrible. That sounds terrible, man. It's some high sci-fi. It's yeah. some high sci-fi stuff. I don't really know, I don't mean, I, I, and that, see, like lately, that's kind of what I've been trying to focus on it's just specifically things like that because I've tried to do meditations to where it's kind of like involved like reincarnation because I listened to a gentleman who has some really, uh, Michael Seeley, he has really good med meditation, uh, guided meditation, really, really good stuff. And just trying to like see my past life and stuff like that. I've tried to like tap into that type of stuff. And I think I was able to do it just a little bit. And it was, it was very interesting, you know, and, and then now that you talk about it, that just sounds frightening. Like just to like live a life and then just forget about it and relive the same life and the same tyranny and the same technocratic um, continuation that we're heading into. Like that just doesn't sound really cool at all. Well, they're talking about, you know, kind of like what Johnny was sort of aiming towards. You're talking about uploading consciousness. That sounds into dangerous. Into an avatar. That's dangerous. And I, and I write about, I write about in my book. I mean, the whole, you know, sentient world project that's at purdue university every one of us has an avatar in there who is every uh, one of us so sorry who is they so we've had a gentleman on and we've talked about technocratic uh school world order um what's it I, um john john kleizak 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 and we've had him on he's he's written a few books it's called school world order and he specifically is an expert in uh technocratic type of things that is going mm -hmm. on right now and he is suggesting that it's specifically coming from the Chinese culture. So are they involved yeah. in this at all? We have a lab. We have a lab at Purdue University. It's called the World's Sentient World Simulation, SWS. And it's been there quite a while. And it's uh, it's it's kind of connected also to the ID2020. But what they've done is by now, probably they have an avatar for every human on the earth. Damn. I mean, that it's easy to lay it off on the Chinese. Now, I'm not saying the Chinese haven't done anything. I'm not saying the Russians haven't done anything. It, I personally think what we're talking about is um, an extraterritorial groups in the sense that it's 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 kind of a multipolar um, state actors. It's not it's not a country thing. It's just a yeah. World, it's like it's, it's, a world it's like thing. the Wuhan virus. Well. Yeah. You know, we were in there with both feet. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, it sounds cute to like lay it off on the Chinese, but you know, that the, the, the week that COVID was announced for Dietrich closed down, that was the biggest bioweapon 
yeah, I mean, the world's too Research. the world's too small for separate countries to really matter yeah, right. on that scale, anyways. And the, and wealthy and and wealthy people know this, and and you know, I just want to make something really clear. When we look at these mind control programs, you know, like Tavistock and even before Tavistock, you know, certainly went down back into the Babylonians. You know, these are old programs that have been running for eons, for lifetimes. So these these have been refining themselves and working through through the human population. I mean, um, Malthusian sort of you know Bill Gates eugenics. That's not new. That's an old ancient idea. So I think. When you get into consciousness, you just have to settle down and get ready to see what maybe you don't want to see. So we're, we're getting close to the end of the hour and you're, I mean, I don't, yeah, this I, is awesome. I have another question. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not going to end it because okay. I, I, I want to leave it off with us each asking her a question because I have one as well. If, if you're okay with that, Rebecca, sure. um, Johnny, if, uh, um, yeah, yeah, if you're good. So, to- so uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. My thing was. Do you, do you think that the soul, as you put it, is separate from consciousness? And before you answer, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say that there was the ability, with no malice intended, like the government did not design it with any ill intent. They did not, you know, hypothetical. They didn't design it with ill intent. They did not design it with uh, mind control in mind or con- keeping you as a slave or any of that. And you had the ability to take your consciousness and everything that you are and put it into a different biological being. With, Like I said, with no malice there whatsoever. Do you lose the soul? Is the, is the soul connected to your biology as well as your consciousness? You know what I mean? Like, It can be, and it can't. And it also is able to move into other biological entities. When you start getting into soul work, for example, there's a, there's a, um, a field in, um, in, in uh, ET experiencers called walk-ins. And these are people that made an agreement with a being that at some time in their life, they would leave and this being would occupy them. So, yes, absolutely, that's possible. Okay, that's what I was curious about, because I, I feel like there can be an advancement in technology without it being inherently evil. Like, I feel like... No, human beings I are... I feel like are, are you could take yourself and put you into an avatar or a different biological thing. You know, I put myself into a younger body and still be me, as long as it doesn't. it wasn't designed to take me over. You know what I mean? But I don't, I think what you're talking about though, Johnny, it's different. I think you're talking about a soul coming into another carbon-based human. Mm -hmm. That's different than a soul going into a robot. Even if they were to develop it like on a, like, and make it carbon-based or whatever. That that would depend on how it's developed. That gets in a whole bunch of hypothetical stuff. But you're talking about a really different life form. That's kind of like if I if I put my soul in a dolphin, mm-hmm. is it still me? Probably not. Man, I want to watch K-Pax now. Oh man, that's I a love great that movie. movie. 
right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna it's hit off movie. I'm gonna hit off with my question. Um, again, like Jesse, like you said, this has been a great podcast. This has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Thanks. Yeah, thank that. you very much. And I, and before I even go into my question, I'd love to have you on again. Should have smoked a joint before this. One. <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to uh, ask that type of question. But anyways, um, I'm gonna go straight for it. Within your, um, you said it started for you when you were three years old. And I think that's very fascinating. I, I have a hard time going back and a lot of my oldest memories goes back to when I was like five. And a lot of it's like with my father and video games and sports. And I don't know why it was like that, but that's just what it just what it was for me. So it's just, to me, it's fascinating. What type of experience can you recollect that you can kind of talk about on the podcast that you were involved with, with this exo consciousness, like just one that kind of just is like, you know, one of the top five say the whole as an adult receiving the world word exoconsciousness that was a big that's a big light moment for me but as a child um I think being on the craft I mean to this day I'll meet people and even before I say it to them they'll say to me I was on the craft with you I'm like yeah you were and we'll just have this instantaneous connection with each other um, I, I went to star school. I mean, I, I, I was taught in the, in the auditorium. I had a mentor who worked with me and I, I think probably, probably I've had past lives on different, on different planets that I came into, like, I'm very, even though I'm not a scientist, I'm scientific. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, I think I must have had lives where on other planets where I kind of explored some of these scientific issues that now I'm here as a human. And for me, with exoconscious human, I would put the emphasis on human at this point in my journey. As in my, let's go back to soul. So the, in my soul journey, my work right now is is to be a human, to be a human in every way that I could be a human, including cosmic. And to kind of reflect that out into the world and to be an educator and, and a helper. That's, that's my work. I'm not here to act like I'm an ET. I'm here to act like I'm a human, but an exoconscious human. Does that make sense? It does. What you got, Jesse? Oh, man. <laughs> the two questions that I had in my mind are, oh, I'm going to end it on the weakest one tonight. Um, oh, I'm gonna What's go, your favorite I'm, flavor yeah, of soup? Yeah, no. no. <laughs> I was be like, man, what do you like in your hot dog? You mustard, <laughs> relish, ketchup. Um, <laughs> no, um, man, I'm going to go with this one. I feel really weak. Typically, I end with a lot better questions. Just than get that. it, man. Have you ever heard of simulation theory before? Yes. Okay. How do you, what are what are your views on that? That's what I'm gonna end off with. I think that's I had a, a better good, one. That's a good question. I think I had a better one. I think I had a better one, but that's solid man. I like that one. Well, the simulation theory is a very brain centric theory. It's brain centric. Okay. So the simulation theory, once again, is a closed system. So you're not really talking about the limitless field of possibility out in the field of consciousness. You're talking about a replicating simulation that happens again and again and again and again. So that would be 
how I would perceive that. What do you think the odds are that that's actually the world that we're living in? Simulation theory. Give me your perception. I think our brain works as a simulator. Mm. I think that our neural abilities include simulation. Absolutely, okay. categorically. But yeah. but do you think it's a zero percent chance that we're that we're actually living in a computer program right now? That's just extremely highly advanced beyond uh, anything capable of us. Is it a zero percent chance? Is it a 50 50? Is it 20 percent? I think it's a pretty limited view of reality if that's all you've got to offer. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that was that was great. That was great. I really like to think about that one because I Same. love the Matrix. I Same. love the Matrix with Keanu Reeves and Same. Lawrence Fishburne. Well, and I so think I really enjoy that. Does, idea. It's like, you know, that's again, I can point to that as another example where where science and engineering becomes a religion. So we got this matrix figured out and we're, we're on top of all of it. Shouldn't, all I can say to them is don't fool with mother nature too much. Shouldn't, uh. shouldn't science, shouldn't science in, in replace religion over time though? Science has replaced religion. I, I know, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Okay. No, that, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So maybe, maybe, maybe I misheard that. I just need to call it good. years ago, the age of enlightenment, the, uh, I mean, I don't know if this was deliberate. 400 years ago in the age of enlightenment, science took everything. They took every, every field of knowledge. And religion got consciousness. What did, what did religion do with consciousness for 400 years? Oh, man. Really used it to their own took, benefit. Took 10% of my money if I was a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> they did nothing. They did nothing with it. Zero. Well. This is really so cool. What the, now, you were really was cool. Was that deliberate? <laughs> was was that a deliberate handoff? So nothing would happen in that in that field. It's a possibility. Man, that's that's man. the real question. Wow. That's a deeper yeah. question for yeah. another time. That's man. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, again. I really enjoyed this, but if you can help me push my book, that'd be great too. That's the, yeah. Oh yeah, we got you. That's, that's mainly yeah. what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> We got, That'd be great. <laughs> we got you. We're, we're going to try our, our hardest to do that. You know, I mean. I've raised a lot of kids. I said to my friend the other day, I said, you know, marketing this book is kind of like raising an infant. <laughs> yeah. It's like you just kind of got to every day get up and that infant's right there. Just wait to be tended. <laughs> if you're going to be the best at something, you can't stop at it. You know, and that's yeah. that's our mentality. So uh, it's been a pleasure, honestly, having yeah, you thanks, on. Thanks, guys. Really had fun. Yeah, where where can we find you? I'm going to put all the links in the description below, but I don't know where where we can find you in absolutely every avenue. So where can we find uh, your book? Or do you have a website, your social right. media, stuff like that? I think I sent all of that to you. Okay. So you, you did a, a PDF, yep. list of that, but exoconsciousness.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, books on Amazon. Well, I can I think tell it's free if you're what a Kindle something or other. It's free. Yeah, we'll have we'll have links down in the description and everything for the book. And oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. And honestly, like I mean, like we're we're still a growing channel. We've been at it for three years. YouTube is definitely doing their best at not letting us progress. But like in in in, in the future, like you like I'm sure having me on really helped your rating. We just keep doing it. We just keep doing it. We, yeah. don't, we don't care. We we really like having intellectual conversations. Basically, exactly. that's what it comes down but to I, in Paul's basement. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and, but what I'm what I'm saying what is, we really like. ev eventually, it's going to happen. Like, it is my main goal to spread knowledge to people. And when we do have, when we do have this large amount of subscriber base, like you're going to be 
we're going to fly you into to where we, where it is we're having a podcast and we're going to do one in person cuz you're, you're jinxing us amazing. right now Paul. No, I'm oh, I'm not. Fun. Yeah, I'm not jinxing man because that's that's legitimately my purpose in life is to do this. So. No, it's it's yeah. been a pleasure having you on and honestly I yeah, Thanks guys. That's a I'm normally not out of the out of the three of us. I'm normally the like I'm pro technology and pro like I'm the opposite. I'm like, eh, consciousness, whatever, spirituality, the soul, whatever. I'm like for technology and transhumanism and all this. And I, I don't believe in a lot of the spiritual stuff, but for you to like actually to have a conversation with you and for you to make that kind of stuff interesting and for me to have a conversation about that stuff is that's excellent. So you speak, you. you speak on the topic very well, very, very well. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I've only done it for decades. So. <laughs> yes. And if, if, you're, if you're out you there that. listening or watching and you agree with us, then you should probably check out the book. Yes, 100%. Thank you. Well, Rebecca, thank you for joining Talk Thanks, Junkies. guys. Have a nice, have a nice evening in Missouri. Will do. Yes. You as well in Arizona. We'll make an attempt. <laughs> have a good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Rebecca Hardcastle Wright. What a great and interesting podcast. I hope you guys really, really like that podcast. And honestly, um, again, like I told you, we're fighting the YouTube algorithms. The best way for you guys to change that is just like the video. Honestly, like at this point, that's really what we need for the video to be shared on YouTube's algorithms is just for you to simply on the left side of your phone or your computer, there's a little thumb and it's thumbs up is like this. And there's one like this. You got to circle this one and just press the fuck out of that button. It's really all we need. Great podcast, guys. Yeah. Internet can change a lot of things. Yes, it can. So, But, again, that's the best thing that you can do. Um, If you're on iTunes, Spotify, um, just share the shit out of this video with your friends and and family on Facebook. Just send it through your whole contacts list to all our junkies out there. Stay fly and ring the bell.